0: This is the Trout Bitten Podcast.
1: Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten? Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten? Yeah. Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten. It's about trout.
0: Wild trout. This is Trout Bitten. This is the Trout Bitten Podcast. And thank you for tuning in. My name is Dominic Swantoski and I'm the owner of Trout Pitten and the author of TroutPitten.com. So before we get going, I want to quickly thank everyone who recently left a comment and a solid rating for the Trout Pitten podcast on Apple or Spotify. Seems like every time I bring that up, we get a lot of extra ratings coming in. And so thanks to everyone. That helps a lot. All right, tonight's episode is about wind and how to deal with it as fly anglers. Wind, and how not just to deal with it, but to sometimes use it to your advantage. So I like to say that there's always some element that you're battling out there. Sometimes there's more than one, right? And we did a full podcast on those elements in season one called Dealing with Weather and Fighting the Elements. In that episode, we touched on the sun, low water, high water, heat, cold, rain, snow, ice, and that's right, wind. All of these elements present challenges to overcome. And then Bill tried telling us that heat was the toughest (laughs) so <laughs> but trevor stood up for wind and i think that <laughs> many many of us agreed that wind was pretty tough uh, wind challenges our cast and it challenges our drifts the most of all these elements it forces us to adapt our presentations the most and it makes some of our favorite styles actually impossible to fish that day uh, but there is always a way to beat it or to at least deal with it and sometimes do more than even make the most of it. There's always a way to make things work. And really, no matter how rough the wind gets, uh, there are strategies, not just for fighting through it, but for fishing well and catching trout. And that's what we're here to talk about tonight. It's going to be a good one. Uh, I have the trout pitting guys here with me tonight. And here they are. Good to have you back, Matt
2: Grobe. Back on the mic. How you doing, bud? Thank you. Yeah, feels good to be back. Uh... Had a little trip back to my old stomping grounds, and uh, mm-hmm. it was good, man. It was good catching up with you uh, at the Steeler game, and it was yep. good catching up with Bill for our annual uh, pizza yeah. and and beer. And Bill even brought me a uh, broken heels mm. uh, nice. that Dom Dom that you couldn't produce for the tailgate, but <laughs> so sorry. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Call me uh, up. Yeah, no, it was because <laughs> I drank it all in the way there. But yeah, right. Uh, yeah, no, it was good. It's good, and I'm uh, settling back into Montana. Deep winter, got out fishing once since I've been back, and uh, that first, uh, you know, high teens nice. day makes you pucker mm. up and realize, man, I should have wore that extra layer of socks. <laughs> right? I, no, yeah. no matter how many times I winter fish, it's like the first day I'm just something. Some part of me's unprepared. I
0: always say like something's gonna hurt on a winter day. If you are, I don't know, sub-20, let's say, something's going to yeah. hurt. It sure is. Yeah. Dress all you want. Something's going to hurt. It's the toes, yeah. the fingers. I know what you're saying, too. It's like, I don't know, Trevor, does the body get used to things like that? I mean, the first day, I'm like, ah, my finger. Fingerless wool gloves. And yeah, my fingertips are out, just like my face yeah. is. But my fingers are complaining
1: about it, and maybe my face isn't. Yeah. I mean the body definitely accommodates to temperature changes and they're you know, people that live in colder climates or you can even acclimate yourself, keeping your house cold or taking cold showers. (laughs) I'm not doing that. That's Um, a
2: good idea.
3: Uh uh. No, it's not. We should have the chow bit (laughs) and ice bath competition. It's not a good idea. (laughs) No, idea. I got dibs on that, I bet you I can win that one. On the ice challenge, Bill? Yeah Oh man, dude. You do that? No, I just I'm I'm I guess I'm more accustomed (laughs) to the cold. But I, I have taken an ice bath before. Oh, they're no. tough.
1: An ice bath, yeah, they're tough. Taking one of those.
3: You know what I think? Part of it is too. Is I? It's
2: shocking to me that I I move so much less because yeah. the fish are in winter holes that I'm actually pounding a slower deep yeah, hole. Yeah. So my I don't have as much movement, right? I'm not I'm not working out as much yep. as I'm usually doing, yeah. and I think yeah. that catches up to me. Like when you're sitting in that deep water up to your chest for totally. thirty minutes. Yeah. It's like, yeah, and it's totally. like, oh my gosh! You like wiggle your feet and it mm-hmm. hits you, right? It's it's crazy.
1: That makes a lot of sense.
0: Again, no matter how prepared you are, that happens, and yeah. that's why I work in streamers a lot of times. Because then I say, all right, I, I gotta, gotta move. move, I gotta move. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or just take a walk. Yeah, absolutely. Doesn't matter how you dress, something's gonna hurt. Yeah. All right. Here's Bill Dell. Well, you already said a couple things, Bill. People know what you sound like. Yeah. You need a new hat. You've put some wear on that one. No, it's, it's looking well-loved. Oh,
3: no, I like I love this. It. it finally broke in. Mm, see, mm. I'm like you. I want an old hat. Yeah, Bill's I got like a, it looking.
0: Bill's got at least a year old, more than that, probably. trout and yeah.
3: hat on. Yeah, the key is to throw it in the washer and run it through the washer and a dryer at least twice. And <laughs> oh. and then it's, you know, it, you, you kind of start wearing it broken in. I like it. Mm.
0: There's Matt's, too. Matt has a little bit newer one. Yeah, and I like
1: to keep it clean. I know you do. Hey,
0: here's uh, Trevor Smith. Please say hello,
1: Dr. Smith. Hey, how we doing? Good.
0: I, have a, I had a Good. question come in asking why we call you Dr. Wool. And so oh it was boy. obvious that that listener hadn't heard you and listened to yeah, you in one. you got to catch up,
2: man. Listen to the, <laughs> listen to the backlogs. <laughs>
1: it was love, love affair with Wool. That's right. Why do we call you Dr. Wool? Well, uh, I love Wool, mm-hmm. and I love Merino Wool in particular. I love all of the benefits as a fabric wool has to offer and I, I i just love that it's a natural fabric and it's got so many cool techie properties to it that are kind of built into it into the fiber itself so right on. I, I love wearing wool and now it's sort of become a joke and i'm a family <laughs> physician i uh, work as a as a doctor in my day job so mm-hmm. hence the doctor wool Doctor Wool, and you taught us all about wool in two podcasts. Yeah, it yeah. took two
0: podcasts. We, there was a monologue in the because I surprised. Yeah, was right. I yeah. surprised him in one episode. I'm like, so tell us all about wool. He said, Well, I this yeah. and that, and I think this and that. And then you
4: right. texted
1: me, and you're like, I want to do better.
4: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so let's talk about <laughs> wool more next podcast. You yeah. back you're back with research. for the details. I didn't
1: feel like I did did it justice. Well, wool hey, deserved better.
0: You and I had a beer the other night and i brought these two things up i'm gonna bring them up right here yeah i bought my first wool based layer and seriously i love it fantastic super super warm and now these are the two things i said though you didn't tell me about this that okay wool stays warm when wet everybody you told me that everybody knows it's warm when wet what did i say what i learned is it's all <laughs> it also stays wet when it's wet it stays so- it doesn't want to dry quickly it stays soggy Yes, you didn't tell me that. <laughs> so this the cuffs, There's you dope. know the 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 cuff, you know, by my wrist. Sometimes that'll get wet because I'm a fisherman, right? And then yeah. that's wet all day long. But if it was, I don't know, poly, some kind of poly right. blend or whatever, it would that would dry pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, and I think it's a rough life. A stab at why that could occur <laughs> is mm-hmm. just that the fibers of wool, you know, like. We talked about the hygroscopic quality of wool, Ooh. where like, the fiber itself yeah, absorbs we did. water. We did, <laughs> yeah. We right. were talking. Bill and I were, yeah. It. <laughs> <laughs> Bill added a lot on that one. I grew, Hygr- um, Hygros- but it was that water gathers between yeah. the fibers, but also within the fibers, and mm-hmm. so the carrying capacity of water is higher for for a wool garment. So if you do soak it, it is not ideal. That is true. Um, so be warned. Yeah, it was oh, raining today, and you know, yeah. you know, water. Eight hour
0: day. It was raining right. pretty hard at times, and so water was down on those cuffs again. I'm like, mm, stays
1: wet. Yeah, Trevor, yeah. how's that yeah.
2: Vormy piece? Is that shed awesome? Better?
1: It sheds much better. I, Vormi Vormy is a is a wool based company out of Colorado that that Grobe turned me on to, and they do a heat treatment to the outside mm. of their wool that kind of hardens or semi hardens the fabric and the kind of fibers on the outside of the cloth and hmm. creates almost like a water resistant and uh almost like a dwr no okay. finish just using a heat coating it's not any it's not sprayed with anything that so is different it's kind of a cool yeah it's a cool and they have a really tight weave on that external fabric too so um it's a really neat more waterproof i would say um certainly water resistant wool But I think, Hmm. you know, water wool as a fabric deals best with vapors. You know, so sweat it works really well with and it also works really well with high humidity, low. you know, that kind of a situation. Like a humid day, cold, humid day, it can Mm. use that humidity to create heat. And so I think an ideal place for wool in a fisherman's, um, you know, ensemble is base layers. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I do think Vormi has found a way to make it even an ideal outerwear. But I think for most folks that are going to use merino wool, um, it, the base layer and even mid layers are great for it. But if you're going to reach down into the water and pull your fly off a rock, you want to push that sleeve up high. I and, that. and if that's too much for people to handle, then go to hell, right? You know, <laughs> <laughs> grow a pair. Uh, <laughs>
4: Uh, yeah. <laughs> no. And I think you also,
1: you were also, you were real whiny that night. You were also complaining about the smell of the wool. Oh, yeah. There's you? a scent. Yeah. You smell like yeah, a, so, a bit of a, well, a wet sheep.
4: Yeah. 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 <laughs> I do think the, there's a I, scent I think you mentioned, wet wool. yeah, you had,
1: a, you had a client that had kind of hit the answer a bit on that, that the lanolin mm. can have a smell. But I think what people will notice is certain. Garments of theirs may smell more than others, depending yeah. on how much lanolin's left. Seems in like it. Seems like the high quality, um, the highest mm-hmm. quality
0: wool actually stinks the most. Uh, and yeah. I will say, in fairness, stink I think is almost too big of a word for it. It It just has a no. scent. Plenty yeah. of things and have I don't a don't scent. It's think not it's, offensive,
1: but there's a no. scent there. I've heard it called like a wet dog smell, but kind I don't of. think it's. I don't actually even think it's that strong. I think it's just. Like, it is a particular smell. Um, yeah. No. It's All not right. Bad. So that's our third wool podcast. Yeah, exactly.
3: Is this the winter podcast? I thought this was the wind
0: podcast. (laughs) That's that's, that's good. We'll get there. uh, there. So that's why we call him Dr. Wool. There you go. That's right. You
1: doctored it up. That's right. All I do is talk about Wool.
0: You are uh, an authority on many subjects.
1: Many subjects. Self-proclaimed authority.
0: What about wind? You good with wind?
1: I'm great with wind.
0: You had a lot to say on the... uh, on that other podcast yeah on that season one podcast where we talked about all the elements you were the first proponent of wind being the most difficult you convinced many of us uh, except for bill he's on heat being the most difficult i'm on heat (laughs) because
3: i'm because i'm the fat kid you know that's the hardest thing for me that's the hardest thing (laughs) for me to fish it
1: i do agree it's super uncomfortable i just and i think you were thinking about it in the sense that like if heat if you took heat all the way to influencing even the fish and the water, yeah. and if the water was warm and all that, like that, and that makes sense to me. But I was imagining a scenario in which the water's still cold, mm. you know, in our our relatively temperature stable streams, and yet it's hot outside. I'd much rather fish in that than a than a super windy day.
0: Yep. So wind is it? I, I mean, wind is tough. Let's let's wind do it. it. You guys ready to jump in? Let's do it. Yep. All yeah. Right. As fly anglers and tires, we understand the value of having the right tool for the job. AvidMax.com offers over 20,000 products and the knowledge to help find the right tools for your job, whether that be at the tying bench or on the water. Listeners of the Trout Podcast receive a discount at AvidMax.com. Enter the code TROUT10, that's the number 10, at checkout to save 10% on your order. Orders over $25 ship for free, so you can put more gas in your tank or beer in your cooler. For all things fly fishing and tying, elevate your game with Avid Max. Whether it's after a fishing trip or at a backyard fire, you can bet the Trout Pit and Crew has a case of new trail Broken Heels along with us. It's honestly our favorite beer. This hazy IPA is smooth and full-bodied. Hand-selected citra hops lead to notes of bright clementine and juicy ruby red grapefruit. Broken Heels is a keeper. New Trail Beer is proudly brewed in Williamsport, Pennsylvania and delivered cold to your favorite craft beer retailer every week. At New Trail, it's not about being the best angler. It's about getting out there. So enjoy nature's moments and reward yourself for a day well-fished with New Trail Broken Heels. It's Trout Bitten's favorite beer. So on windy days, I've had a few clients even ask me if we're still going to fish. We're going to fish in this? I'm like, yeah, we're all right, you know? We're not talking about tornadoes here, okay? We're talking about wind. It's moving the trees back and forth. You're hearing the trees groan sometimes and creak. And yeah, if you didn't hold your hat down sometimes, that could fly away. You know what I mean? Some some heavy wind here. That's what we're talking about tonight. And I've seen anglers, you guys too, you're out there and they'll just give up early and walk back to the car while I think most of us keep fishing. Um, Just because there's some heavy gusts there that kind of get the best of those guys. Hmm. And uh, that's all right. And then the parking lots are often empty if there's just, you know, major yeah. wind in the forecast. Now, that often comes with rain, too. But what comes with that is clouds, and we like that, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. So, c- because we've acknowledged that tough weather is is something that trout seem to really like. And, yeah. you know, clouds, great, so much better than sun. I'd rather, well, I'd rather have a windy day with, with clouds than a sunny day that's calm, seriously. Yeah. I, I do better. Yeah, Yeah, I agree with that. uh, And I think most people do. And that goes that's across the fishing spectrum, I think. Um, Most people acknowledge that. And yet, those same people will often stay home because they think of them as bad conditions. It's something they see as a negative. "Ah, I don't want to be uncomfortable out there. Or, oh, you can't even fly fish in that wind. But we kind of see this as an opportunity a lot of times to, first of all, have a lot of water to ourselves. And second, we're going to talk, you know, through this podcast, and especially at the end, I want to highlight a couple things we can do because of the wind, which actually help you out sometimes. But let's start with this, guys. Do you think that the wind bothers the trout at all? Do you think it affects them or bothers them?
4: Hmm.
3: I don't think it bothers them. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can think of more situations where I think it creates better fishing. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's blowing things into the river for the fish to eat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, I mean, I've been on rivers that literally had white caps. Yeah. From wind. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it would, maybe at that point it affects them if there's a hatch, you know, there's a Mm. white cap and so it might be harder to, for them to feed on the bugs, at least on the surface. Blows the bugs
0: right off the surface. Yeah.
3: That might yeah. be the only thing I could think is, yeah, if you have a good hatch and it is windy, it you know, the sailboats just blow straight off the water. And so hm. fish don't get to kind of sit there and pluck them off the surface.
1: Good point. Yeah. I'm kind of with Bill on that. I do think, I've, I mean, in summer in particular, I think terrestrial season can be augmented by the wind when there are bugs in the trees and leaves and mm-hmm. banks, grass, et cetera. I think that's probably seasonal though. I don't think necessarily all times of the year does that necessarily hold true. Uh, the other thing that I think potentially would aid your fishing is that wind on the water creates disturbance, which mm. reduces the clarity of the surface. And that could, pers- you know, create a perception of safety for the trout yeah. where you don't have aerial predators able to see yeah. down through the water column as easily. So, yeah, so instead that's a of it, second, yeah. Yeah,
0: so instead of it bothering them, I think it can kind of mm. make them Turn feel the more secure. Like you're saying, just like yeah. rain on the water we had some really low and clear conditions and then when throughout the fall when we started getting some rain i noticed that those trout even though the water hadn't come up yet the trout were just much more well forgiving about your presence they didn't well they didn't see it coming from as far just because of the surface disturbance of the rain yeah surely if you have heavy wind that's that's rippling it up a little bit those are ripples you know and the trout like it i don't think it bothers them i don't think they care I don't think they care if it's raining on top of them. I don't think they care if it's windy up in the air. They don't care. They're in the water.
1: They're already wet. Yeah.
0: They're already wet.
1: What do you see, Grob?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I agree with what everybody said. I think bother, if we're sticking to the point bother, I think the only Mm -hmm. situation where they would be bothered is, I, I firmly believe like when the sulfurs are at their peak or, you know, uh, uh, bluing olives I think there's a time where those fish are up and they're looking for those sailboats right like that's a primary yeah. food source so seasonality at certain times I think they could be bothered that their yeah. blueing olives are blown off the water or yeah. their sulfur duns are blowing off the water but that would be the only you know s- time where I could see the fish being annoyed that their food isn't mm-hmm. readily yeah. available um, but you know on the flip side Trevor, like you said, I mean, other times the wind is aiding them. Grasshopper fishing out here is a prime example. Good one, good one. That's a terrestrial, right? Like they, those fish. The wind. I mean, you talk about wind and out west. Like I live in the wind. I fish in the wind all the time, and (laughs) that's right. Those fish know, though. Like at eleven o'clock, the wind's gonna pick up, and it's gonna blow hoppers to the. To the bank and this fish are like yeah. readily go to the bank because they know that so there's a situation where they can benefit from the wind um so yeah i'd say more than not it doesn't bother them yeah,
1: yeah. i think
0: what well, we're all agreeing and maybe we're all missing something but we're all agreeing that really the only way it affects them is with that dry fly fishing yeah hey let's briefly though acknowledge the problem of wind in the first place how does it affect the cast and does it affect the drift? How's it hurt us in the first place? And then let's talk about how we each kind of like to
2: overcome it um, with different styles. Uh, how's it messy up? For me personally, it, the biggest detriment to the wind is the presentation of the flies. Mm-hmm. And I'm speaking on, even if, you're, if I'm dry dropper fishing or if I'm tight line nymphing, when you get a steady enough wind, it creates unnatural movement on the surface with your dry fly or on your your tight line rig right it just pushes it unnaturally faster yeah. than the current sometimes when the wind's that bad and the other big piece is you lose contact for me right you get mm-hmm. that little bow in your cider because the wind's blowing the bow and your flies are upstream mm-hmm. and it, it can yeah. be tough right you can count you can try to put more weight on to fix that problem and we'll talk about that but that for me yeah. that's my biggest uh issue is the drift yeah right on
4: yeah
3: yeah i i can think of many fish that i've missed with that little just loss of contact with that like you're saying that bow and the cider and yeah it quickly becomes frustrating
0: yeah and when i'm fishing dries and it's super windy and if we're we're talking about the drift um i might need to mend and i go to mend and there goes the wind pushing me actually the wrong way as soon as you unsuction that that line from the surface they go it gets pushed around, especially in heavy wind. Yeah. So the drift suffers, and it's drift part. But the cast is extremely tough, too, Oof. sometimes. Whether yeah, you're on a dry fly or you're on a tight line rig or whatever. We're fishing. I mean, it's influencing the cast and the drift. It'll oh, yeah. push your cast around. It'll push your drift around.
3: It depends on the directionality of the wind. If, right. if the wind is blowing downstream or upstream directly yep. one way or the other, it's going to cause inaccuracy in your casting as well. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt.
1: Definitely hurts your accuracy uh, yeah. in the cast. Yeah, Trevor. Yeah, I think. I mean, and you're talking about cast accuracy, presentation. It's basically every aspect of fishing. You know, I think kind of right. It's, that's, that's why what's you so hard it. about it. To me, is like, <laughs> that's you why can't it's not think yeah. about it. Right? It's in. It's everything you're doing is going to be frustrated mm-hmm. to some extent by that wind and and on our streams and some of the narrow streams or depending upon the bank and the waiting situation, you can't always get into. A position where you can make it favorable for you, or or work with it. So right. it, right. it, yeah, it just frustrates me a lot.
2: I don't care how good of a caster you are, mm-hmm. you're you're getting tangled too, right? So you're you're not only are you dealing with casting uh, yeah. issues yeah, point. and drift issues, but you're not fishing as often because you're getting mm-hmm. tangled, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't care how good you are, you're dealing with some birds' nests when yes. it's super yeah.
0: super windy. That's because it takes away that accuracy, and you're real good, you know, without the wind, then. You just have to compensate for it. And we're about to talk about all that, but you can feel that wind coming from your, over your left shoulder. So, you know, you got to kind of punch that back over to your left a little bit because the wind's going to push it to the right. It's, uh, right. it's that compensation and you eventually can work with it. But yeah, man, it's, you're going to be tying a few extra knots because of the wind. I guess they calm. Yeah. Don't get mad. <laughs> all right. So Bill brought up, you know, the wind direction. Let's jump in here. We talked about the problems, but then some solutions. And I'm going to say the first thing is I'm kind of always trying to recognize where that wind is coming from. I just brought up, okay, it's coming over my left shoulder. One of the things I do, and I recognized this years ago, I like to kind of on a windy day, I I kind of want to have my ears out. I don't necessarily like wearing a uh, stocking cap. I'll, I'll, hmm. get, I, I'll try to not have that on if, if I can get away with it. Now, of course, sometimes you just have to have your ears covered to stay warm. But I noticed like somewhere on my body, I need to feel where the wind is coming from. And on hmm. these windiest days, honestly, today was one of them. Kind of ironically, we had a lot of wind today and it, it was swirling front, behind, to the right. Hardly ever came from the left today, but I was very aware of it because it wasn't that cold. It was like 45, 50 degrees. And for a lot of the day, I had my hood down. And you just kind of be, you're sensing where it's coming from. And when it's swirling, I want to know where that's coming. Oh, it's switched. It's behind me now. Okay. I'm going to punch a back cast a little, a lot more firm back there. That's important to me is to recognize what direction it's coming from. So I know how to deal with it. And I think as we go through these, we're going to talk about how you deal with it. It Dry flies. I can work with it, best work with it coming from a different angle with dries than I can with a nymph.
2: I like that. I think, Dom, it goes into – there's two different things I'll do Mm -hmm. when I'm dealing with the wind. And one is almost a game plan, tactical Mm. thought process. And then I transition into actual tactical fishing remedies to deal with it. So, at first, it's like, okay – there's a few things you can do, right? You can do what you're talking about. Wind direction that could potentially influence what side of the bank I choose to fish. Um, the other piece to that with the wind is, you know, everybody's river is different. You got bends, you got canyons, you got some sections that are harbored from the wind for whatever reason, a lot more than other sections, right. That are wide open. And so you can tactically try to you know, make a game plan bef- the night before to figure out, okay, the wind's going to be 20 miles an hour, a uh, westerly wind at 20 miles an hour. So maybe I'll choose this canyon stretch that's isolated mm-hmm. from the wind specifically right to avoid it. Um, the other two pieces to that, this is uh, applies out here specifically. And I think it applies back home a little bit too. But traditionally speaking, the wind is much more prominent from like, Ten thirty to you know seven thirty out here and and mm-hmm. it, maybe not so it much back, back home but it's that's when it hits so if you go dawn patrol you know you go first light and you go last light you can mm. kind of avoid that's a good point the bulk of the wind if you ch- if you don't want to really get involved in it you can get early morning or late and we can talk about the tactical stuff later but that's my pre pre-game stuff pre-planning right? i like yep.
0: it even the day before or the evening before yeah well I told yeah. you, I knew it was going to be windy today and I guided and we walked into a canyon stretch and canyons, an exaggeration of the word, but that's what they call it. Anyway, sure. we went down it because I knew that you'd have, you know, high trees up on a hill breaking a lot of that wind. And it's not the can- kind of canyon where it funnels the wind down through there. There's a lot of breakup and that's exactly why we chose it. So I had
2: a little pre-planning, I guess, last yeah. night. For you those, didn't even you realize know. it. No, nah, I mean, right? I kind of thought about it. Yeah. And the best thing is, you know, your river, this all goes back to learning, knowing your river in certain conditions. And so like, Mm
4: -hmm.
2: not only do you have the benefit of horrible weather that that scares people away and the parking lots are empty, but you know where to go to get the good fishing in. And it's like a double bonus. It
0: is. And you know, you only learn those things usually the hard way. And I could tell you multiple places on one of our favorite, the biggest one that we fish a lot, there are places you do not want to go when it's windy because that wind does get funneled right down through that gap. And that's the worst, but and I learned that the hard way. And I I could tell you stories about being out there, you know, in twenty degrees, and here comes a windy day, and whoo, you know. Sometimes I stuck it out. Sometimes I took a walk and went around the bend and changed everything.
3: You earned it. Yeah, you yeah. got to earn it, like you say. But yeah, you learn the hard yeah. way. Yeah. You talk about prep. The one thing that I can think about is if I know it's going to be windy. Yeah. I'll I'll take a rod that's weighted. Like let's say I fish a four weight all the time. Yeah. I'll take a I'll take a five weight just because it'll help me you know push into that wind and cast a little bit more accurately
0: oh for sure i mean a rod no matter what i'm fishing whether it's a dry fly and a fly line or a tight line i'd much prefer a more powerful rod i don't want to be stuck with a two weight um no in on a windy day no, no matter no. what style i'm fishing that's for sure
3: so let's talk about like some strategies like once you get on the river one of the first things i do yeah 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 is if i do know it's going to be windier like I'm going to fish a thicker leader system. Mm. So I'm going to fish like a 20 pound mm-hmm. butt section because I know I'll have the power to kind of push through the wind. Yeah, Right now, on.
2: Bill, real quick, are you referencing all different techniques, dry mm. fly fishing, nymphing, streamer fishing with that? Or are you specifically, Good you question. know, saying that you're going to do
3: that? But I would say with nymphs nymph. and streamers, most times if it's windy, I'm going to fish streamers, nymphs with that thicker butt section. If I'm going to fish dry flies, I still might beef up my leader a little bit. I'm not going to fish like, I'm probably going to start with like a 25 pound and then kind of taper down to 20 down to 15. And then, you know, as it tapers down, maybe at the end, I might be ending at like three X or four X, at least around here. That's actually small probably for you, Matt, throwing those big chubbies. Yeah. Like are you ending with like at that point like one or two X? He's a chubby fan.
2: Just heavier tippet. It aids in it, right? It aids in punching through that line yeah. as opposed to finesse tippets. You're not gonna throw a Griffith snat on six It keeps tippet. it from twisting. Yeah, twist too. That's good point. Oh, so yeah, just hundred percent.
1: Yeah.
0: So in general, yeah, I'll use a beefier leader in heavy wind is one of the only times I'll come away from the George Harvey design for a dry fly leader, because that's like 15 pound chameleon for a butt section. And I'll actually go to just, you know, a standard extruded leader with, which has about a 0.022 butt section because it's going to punch. And I like that. So yeah, beefier leaders. Another thing I do a lot is just fish closer. I mean, that's, that's a general principle for fishing in the wind don't fish 50 feet away <laughs> i mean you know there's no good reason to do that and you know if you really 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 want to get that piece of water that's all the way across the river don't yeah. because you probably can't reach it you know if you have if you're on a big river maybe yesterday you could but with the wind today don't do it you got to be disciplined you got to stay close for sure yeah it takes discipline yeah. to do that yeah For over a decade, Smith Creek has provided innovative, high-quality fly fishing accessories designed to put your gear in easy reach, free up your hands, and keep our waters clean. This November, Smith Creek is releasing two new products just in time for the holidays. Check their website to see the new tippet holder. Each unit is individually machined from high-quality billet aluminum and anodized in one of two eye-catching colors. They hold up to five tippet spools with a patented spring-loaded plunger design that is easy to load and keeps your spools right where you need them. All Smith Creek products are built guide-tough and backed by solid customer service. To learn more about Smith Creek products, visit their website at smithcreek.co. Precision Fly & Tackle is a family-owned business with a passion for the outdoors and a sense of adventure. They are anglers who enjoy every moment spent on the water with family and friends. Precision Fly and Tackle carries the widest selection of Euro rods, reels, lines, leaders, flies, and accessories. From the beginner to the advanced angler, Precision Fly and Tackle can outfit every angler, no matter the budget. Visit them online at precisionflyandtackle.com. Then use code TROUTBITTEN10, that's the number 10, for 10% off your order. Gear up with Precision Fly and Tackle for your next adventure.
1: For me, it also, you know, as I think about how I'm going to fish that day, it really does make a big difference to me to know exactly where that wind's coming from and if it's a just kind of like one strong predominant wind because I'll I'll change potentially what stream I fish
4: and potentially mm.
1: the bank that I'm going to fish. Yeah. I don't want to set myself up to be waiting into the wind, casting into the wind all day if I don't have to. Um, and if I can if I can match that wind to a stream that I can fish with the wind heading downstream or with the wind at my back or my approach to that stream is best from one bank, that's what I'll do. Um, I, I have a lot of hunting apps that, I, not a lot, I have a couple hunting apps and one of them is on X. and it, you have a lot of wind data you can punch into that so I can drop a pin anywhere in the state And then I can add wind direction to that pin and it will tell me exactly what that wind is. And then I can also even get like the seven day forecast for wind there just to kind of Mm. verify that that's the predominant wind there. But it can be really useful, especially on days. I mean, today was a good example in center, you know, in this region where we had like 15 to 20 mile an hour winds with gusts into the 40s. I mean, that's pretty extreme. But when you have that kind of wind, you really can't. You can't set yourself up fishing into that all day long and expect to not get frustrated. When I fish closer, the other thing that well, what just automatically
0: happens is I have less line in the air. With less line, yeah. you, know, you yeah. have less sail. Less problems. Again, it doesn't, right, less problems. That's a general principle, right? It doesn't matter if I'm fishing dries or streamers or nymphs. I just try to have less line in the air, and so then the wind doesn't affect me nearly and, as much.
3: If it is windy, I try to keep the rod tip lower to the water because it's it doesn't it helps some. Yeah, it's not going to solve it, but it every little bit yeah helps.
0: That's a good way to say it. I think none of these things that we'll talk about here coming up are going to solve it. That's a right. good point. It's not going to solve it. You're not all, gonna better. Up. all better. All <laughs> better. The wind's <is> still there. <laughs> <laughs> right you still deal with it and like Trevor said in that first season of the Trout and mm. Podcast with the dealing with the elements Trevor said the wind is the hardest thing to deal with and I think he's sure. right the more I've thought about it I do think because you're not gonna you're not gonna solve it you're not gonna solve Mm-mm. it no but another thing I do is just use weight it's weight that is gonna yeah. not defeat but fight the wind weight Absolutely. is gonna fight the wind
3: it, it makes it harder for the wind to blow it because there's more weight. Mm-hmm. Counteract whether, whether it's your leader, whether it's your fly line, whether it's yeah. your rod. Like you, you need more mass to compensate. There there's some science stuff in there. Doc can tell us about. <laughs> there is, but I'm you
1: know like there's like a trade off here, right? Because mm. you're dealing with the main force that's disrupting your fly's drift is the wind into the surface area of your leader, right? Sure, and so if you build that leader up and you have now a beefy leader that's double the diameter that you were fishing before, you've also doubled the force on your fly from the wind. That's an interesting thing. And so you can, you can counteract that by overweighting your system. And certainly I think that's the right answer, but there's also probably an argument for minimizing wind drift on your, your cider itself and your leader. And so, Dom's point, keeping less line out of your rod is big, not fishing as far away from yourself because yeah. having 8 to 10 feet of line out of the tip of your rod is a big difference as opposed to 20 feet of line out of your rod. It is. Yeah, I don't know if there's like an argument for the slimmest leader you can produce in overweighting your system and sort of acknowledging that the wind is a time where lobbing is a thing to do. Right. Is there is never there log. a place where you <laughs> said the oh, L. Word. The, L word. Um, so the Is L there L word. a place for for ugly casting and the wind just for the sake of no. minimizing your wind? I've never. That's another drift. thing. Mm-mm. No, never. you need speed.
0: No, I'm sorry. I have to get in yeah. on that. That's all right. You no, I'm need just posing speed, the question. Right. No, yeah. I love it. You're like that. You're always like, I don't know, but you actually know. <laughs> 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 you have your strong Setting opinions on that. He yeah. is. No, seriously, in wind, oh, my, you really have to have good casting skills. And the old, yeah. and good casting yeah. skills are built on good, crisp uh, casting, speed in between two points, and that's mm-hmm. what's going to give you turnover. You mm-hmm. try lobbing in the wind, you're getting pushed back by that wind, or whatever di- the direction is of that wind, that's yeah. going to take your fly Instead of you having the power, the wind overpowers you. So we talked about using. I say counteract the wind with more weight. And Bill, you brought up using a stiffer butt section. Well, along with stiffer goes thicker, and thicker is more weight. Once again, I mean, we think about a leader. Not yeah. too many of us think about how much a leader weighs, but that's the point. It does have mass. It pushes. And once again, that's you're using a thicker leader to counteract. The, the wind, the, the resistance and everything, you're pushing through it with a heavier leader. That's really it. But then Trevor, you bring up a really cool point, does, hey, maybe we should go the other way and use a really thin leader so that the wind doesn't push on that leader as much. My answer to that is no. Uh, I'd rather go with thicker to have more power because, well, experience has taught me that that works much better. If I go... You know, with really thin, even again, I said I don't use a Harvey leader in really right. heavy wind. I need power, I, I need punch. I this, like it, this. and I,
1: I, think like, I think maybe the, I'm going to also pose a third scenario where the answer is somewhere between <laughs> what we're talking about. Because I do think, so if you have the tighter your Just loop. Just don't right? say lob. No, I will not. The tighter your loop, <laughs> so if you have a thicker leader and you yeah. have more mass and you can keep your loop tighter, the vert- the vertical height of your line in a cast mm-hmm. is gonna mm-hmm. be less, right? So you compress yeah, yeah. that distance, that's loop. That's also height affecting loop. how much the wind's affecting you, right? If you have a mm-hmm. if you're casting 20 feet of line and yet your vertical height of the cast is two feet, three feet versus you're lobbing it, it's going all the way over your head and down in. Big arc. That's a 20 foot vertical loop, right? So it all is. of the wind is hitting that leader versus the wind oh, that's, you know, hitting a much smaller portion of it however once that line is in the water and you are now drifting there's where i think there's you know i don't know is there a (laughs) does the cider matter right or could you optimize a thinner cider and is there even a place for thinner tippet like to for that distal section to have less tippet drag or less like wind drag on your tippet, or do you prefer to fight that by having a really steep angle off the water where you're basically keeping your lot, your rod close to the, closer to the water, right? And I think of that as a shallower angle, but a I got shallower you. angle, I yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. steeper, yeah. No, it's a shallower angle for sure. Mm-hmm. So a shallower angle between your your line and the water, and mm-hmm. is that a better way to counteract the force? Yeah, Bill's itching here. Go by. Uh, yeah, am. yeah. Go for yeah. So it. I, I ran into
3: the. So I ran into this scenario this fall when I went on a when I was on a fishing trip. The first day, yeah. Um, I got there and it was you know low clear, and I was expecting, you know, hey, this is going to be tough fishing, and I I prepped and had like a fourteen pound butt section on, and oh. I was excited to fish, you know, thinner because this is a river that has a lot of small bugs. And so the first day, 20, 30 mile an hour winds just ripping down the river. And I, Mm. the first like three, four runs, I, I just could not generate enough speed, even with a four weight with that 14 pound, the wind was blowing directly down river. You're, so, you're on nymphs right now i'm just clarifying um, you're on a tight yeah. line nymph
0: system yeah
3: yeah and so i i so at first i tried it with just nymphs and then the next thing i was like okay well let me put an indicator on here because the mm-hmm. indicator is going to give me more mass to kind of push it into the wind right on and i went through the first three runs and just i just felt defeated and i was like okay let me step back and think yeah. about this right and so the next run i switched up but i put the 30 pound opst Laser yeah. line on, which is 0.016.
0: There you go. Inches. You Sorry, go. but it, it sounds heavier no. than it
3: is. OPST yeah. is 0.016. And that's the same as the 20 pound maxima. Is that exactly. right? Exactly. Very, very and, close. And so, like the next run, I was like, okay, now I felt confident that I could, pu- like you're saying, I could generate the line speed, I could push it yeah. in the wind, and I could, you know, I felt like I at least had a fighting chance.
0: Gotcha. I've been through that same thing. I've tried going super thin, you know, uh, uh, if we're, again, on tight line nymphing systems, I've tried going, you know, micro thin leader, like six pound leader. And you're thinking like, oh, okay, once it's on the water and I'm drifting, the wind won't hurt me as much. It hurts you. And you know what? I remember when I was a kid and I was fishing Berkeley trialing to my my minnows and it would get really <laughs> windy. Seriously. I mean, that wind pushed my four-pound Berkley triline around a good bit too, it hurts you. It pushes your microliter, your six-pound liter around almost just as much as your 20-pound. So the advantage of the, the weight and the mass and the punch, the push, the power of that thicker liter absolutely, I think, is a bigger advantage than whatever minor, in my opinion, advantage you get from going micro-thin with the liter. You're almost dead in the water with the micro-thin stuff.
2: It's good stuff. What about one other thing, Dom, I was going to add. Tell us, yeah. Tactic preference. Like if, if the wind's bad, do you yeah. default and go towards just streamer fishing? Just be like mm-hmm. if, if someone's walking to the stream and you get a 35-mile-an-hour wind and maybe they're feeling lazy that day, you just say, <laughs> if you had to pick one of those dry fly, nymphing, streamer fishing, what would you guys jump to yeah. to make, make life easy? Well, that's what I said in the
0: intro, right? It's like some of the tactics that we might love are just out
2: out the window for me. Like I'm I'm not going to be able to do that,
0: Bill. Throw meat, yeah,
2: streamers, yeah. Just I think because- it depends if I'm wade fishing or or if I'm in a boat. If I'm wade fishing, my tactic would be to what Bill just said to to throw stream a heavy streamer, you know, get in position where you're throwing with the wind and just cover a bunch of water. But if I'm yeah. if I'm in a boat and I'm in a boat a lot, especially yeah. at the beginning of the season and I'm dealing with a lot of wind out here, sure. I don't I can still throw a dry dropper. I might do dry dropper just because that extra weight allows me to punch through the wind, but because yeah, I can yeah. drift nice. so long, mm-hmm. it's it's you know, it's a little bit more you know, maybe I like to dry fly fish, dry dropper fish out of the boat when it's windy mm. um, because I'm not mending as much, you know, right, and the, right. boat, the boat's nice. doing a lot of yeah. that work.
0: Once it's on the water, there you go. It's fishing, Yeah, right? It's, it's fishing all the way down. Like you say, the boat, the guy on the oars is doing the work. Yep. he's doing a lot yeah, of work. For sure. Yeah. That's a good point. So for me, the easiest way to beat heavy wind is a streamer. When I'm on a streamer, I don't care if I get some drag in the system. Drag is okay. I can work with that. I'm trying to move my streamer anyway. Yeah. I don't like trying to get really pure dead drifts on anything, whether it's a dry fly or a nib, you know, when it's really, really windy. Maybe we should dig into that. I mean, right, let's, let's go with dry flies. Let's go with dry flies real quick. What are your best tips for dealing with the wind with the dry flies? We brought that up a little bit. You can absolutely fish dry flies
3: in some pretty oh, yeah. heavy
0: wind. You know, because you you're fly,
3: at, We talk about mm-hmm. mass, and the fly line mm-hmm. has all that mass, and the fly yeah. line is going to be your best if you want to throw something at distance in wind. In wind, the mon, at, at some point, the mono rig is going to oh, it collapse on you. Absolutely. Where like the fly the fly line has more mass to kind of mm-hmm. to punch it out there. That's it's and built so, for. Yeah, exactly. And so dry flies, uh, like as we said before, like a thicker leader. I'm also mm-hmm. doing a shorter leader. Because yeah. the shorter leader also gives you, you know, a, a better punch. Like if you're going out there and trying to throw a 12 to 14 foot leader in the wind, it's not going to go well. So like yeah, sure. I'm probably looking at like nine, maybe eight and a half to nine foot depends on your size of the river. Sure. But, you know, I'm probably not going above 10 feet. I'm probably at nine. Yeah, yeah the, the shorter leader
0: preserves the power that is inherent in that fly line, which is what it's there for, is to push things yeah. out there. I'm not going to use a three-weight fly line and a three-weight rod. You know, I'm probably going five yeah. or even six-weight. Matt, right, I mean, right. you're experienced with this, right? What's your choice in heavy wind?
2: As far as
0: my leader formula goes?
2: Well, let's say, let's start with rod and, you know, match to the fly line. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm fishing my nine-foot mm-hmm. five-weight. Sure. Um not even thinking twice about it with a I still do a nine foot, I have a nine foot Harvey leader that I, I I'm not gonna call it a Harvey leader, I'll just call it a leader that I tie and shorten the butt sections, yeah. make it stiff. And then my tippet section might only be, let's say, one X to three X. Like let's yeah. go eighteen inches of one X, 12 inches a three X. And then I'm um, I fish you know, suggestive patterns out here. I'm fortunate sure. to do a ba- bigger attractor flies that already help. You know, a size ten stimulators more bulk than a fourteen sulfur, right? And then yeah. many times I'm putting a a small dropper off that strictly to help cast in the wind. Like, I like that. Honestly, I, I mean, that's why I that put a couple a, times. Yeah, yeah, put a number sixteen beadhead rainbow warrior on a little more and, weight. Yeah, a little more weight, and then and I and I put you know only a foot of dropper on that bug, and I'm not really looking at you know trying to get down to the kill zone for nymphing. I'm just trying to put on more weight, and Mm -hmm. if I catch a fish eating emergers, so be it. Right, and you'd be shocked how productive that is. Well, you snag them a lot, don't you, Matt? I mean, isn't that that your goal? (laughs) That's my goal. (laughs) It's It's the belly hook. They come up with the dry, and then you just just rip
0: the nymph into them. Is that yeah, what belly doing? hook,
2: belly hook the the weight fish. Sloop um,
3: caught him how to do that. Slooper. Yeah,
2: but you know, and then the other things keep the keep the flies in the water as long as you can. When I'm in a boat, right? I mean, it's yeah. you, you you the less cast casting you do in the wind on a boat, and when you're drifting out here, the more less. productive you're going to be. Um, yeah, and and, and and that might be the opposite if it's a non windy day when you're really trying to plop these dry flies down in these boulder seams that are, you know, I think of the, I, I fish the Madison a lot. And if you're yeah. really fishing the Madison, well, there's a boulder after a boulder after a boulder and the current's mm. change. And to, to effectively fish it. You're constantly picking up and casting, Short and picking up and casting. But when it's windy, you're better mm. off picking a line and trying to keep that stuff, you know, in the water, the longer the flies are in the water, the better, if That's that makes good. sense. And you're sacrificing prime lies, over longevity of the flies in the water i love that that's mm -hmm. sweet that's a
0: those are the calculations that we need to do in the wind Mm -hmm. bill i'm sorry i
3: interrupted you no i was gonna ask matt so i think you talked about terrestrials and so on when it is windy do you focus more on the bank because things are coming off so like are you looking like when you're saying pick your seam like or like Mm -hmm. ideally you're throwing into a seam close to the bank and drifting right. it, you know, whatever, a hundred right. yards, fifty yards down a river, and kind of. Uh, yeah,
2: for sure. I mean, I think situational, right? Like, we yeah. we all have to accept that. Like right now, if it's windy in Montana, I'm not really worried about the banks, right? I mean, yeah, that's, you know, fishing, you're not fishing; your we're dryness, fishing slow water, so I would maybe tactically just go to a streamer and fish a slow hole yeah. and call it a day, right? Now, as Would you we fish your eyes right now, Matt? Um, not yet, but soon the midges. So the midges have been oh, emerging so that the, the yeah. nymph bite's been good on midging, you know, double nymph rig on with size 18 and 20 midges has been really good. Soon good. there'll be a mm-hmm. prolific midge hatch and the fish really do key in on those out here in the winter. So where you could nice. fish a Griffiths gnat uh, quite, quite Me. often, but back to mm-hmm. what Bill was saying, you know, in, yeah, in reality, you're saying, okay, let's take the situation and take a deep breath and evaluate it. Winds yeah. blowing. It's the summer. You might have stoneflies, you know, in the willows. Adult stoneflies that mm-hmm. are in the willows that are just hanging out, waiting to mate. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden, the wind gusts come, and then the banks do come into play. the The bugs aren't in the middle of the river, hanging out on the rocks as much right. as they are. They're the in the willows. Go to the go to the edges. Yep. That so emerge. that totally yeah. makes sense. So a hundred percent, Bill. I'm going to change. And you don't. And trust me, those fish are going to react. To that too. Yeah. You're going to see yeah. all these size six salmon flies plopping in the water. You, every fish in yeah. the river is going to go towards the bank. And so I would change tactics from fishing mid river to banks then. And I would also do it with the grasshoppers. When the wind picks up in the afternoon, hoppers are on the bank and fish know it. Yeah. And, and I'll change tactics from mid river to, to bank fishing. Um, it's all what's going on, right? Take a second to think because in, instead yeah. of just doing doing the same old thing because stuff changes throughout the day on a river.
0: I like it. Matt, will you please use the term farmer's cut again? I
2: like that term. <laughs> what? The farmer's cut? Farmer's cut. <laughs> I like that. When did I say that? When the farmers cut the field? Yeah, dude. You say, yeah, called the farmers cut. Yeah, like, oh, that's cool. You get yeah. You know, there'll be it's a a, you know s- a secret uh, forum or a message board <laughs> will go up. Farmer Johnny's cutting his yeah. his crops down below. Uh, you don't check big for flowers and yeah. water no, You check on the farmers you cut. Check on right. the uh, brush hog. Yes, people are giving <laughs> them side cash to to wait till August when yeah. the ho- when the hoppers
3: <laughs> right. are at their best. <laughs> Like, here, sir, you know, not, don't you cut that yet. next week? That's not funny. yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Anyway,
0: that's some good dry fly tips, I yeah. think,
3: right? In the wind? Yeah. Yep. yeah. Do you at all think about aerodynamics of your fly, like the dry fly, when yeah. you're casting into the wind? I mean, I do. I'm not going to yeah. use the biggest fly, but then again, you got Matt out there, And
0: Matt's saying, yeah. you, it, maybe you're saying, Matt, that if you do want to use a air-resistant fly, then you're putting that, uh, nymph on the end to get that weight out there to help oh, yeah. turn it over yeah
2: and 100 percent. and i'm also choosing like if i'm choosing mm-hmm. to fish dry flies yeah a bigger attractor pattern right mm. it, it mimics a lot of bugs out here but you guys get stone flies too so like Some. you could kind of disregard the mayflies that are hatching yeah. when it's super windy and put on a stimulator and you might be surprised that you get Mm. Yeah. Maybe more action than you would on a sulfur mm. dun that you can't see that gets blown off mm-hmm. just because I don't know, that those fish are seeing that stonefly that you're not seeing, that you don't yeah. maybe it's it's not as abundant to the eye, but it's it's happening, yeah. right? Those stoneflies are out there. Black stone, you guys get black stone flies, brown stone flies, right? Yeah. There's a lot of stoneflies um yeah. out there and so maybe it's just because you're, you're we're not seeing them in as heavy numbers doesn't mean you, you shouldn't give it a shot i like it when it's windy mm-hmm. right and and yeah. and you could put on a bigger dry fly to see what happens right on
3: another thing like when it comes down to casting i'm going to try to make the least amount of false cast in any of oh, the yeah. scenarios in the wind because the more false cast i make the better chance of whatever rig that i'm mm. fishing is going to tangle up
0: Yeah. Like Matt said, for sure. Dry dropper. Now you got two things on the line. And yeah, absolutely. Limit false casting. That's how I kind of am day to day, but that's even more important in the wind. Any of these elements that we try to battle, and especially this wind, they force you into doing things better. I think that's part of the fun of the challenge. That's why we stay out there when it is difficult, let's say, and perhaps uncomfortable. We stay out there Because it forces us to learn the things that it takes to overcome that element. I think that's really neat. That's one of the coolest things about fishing, and that's why we're out there, you know. And to walk away, whether we catch fish or not, we can say, "I fished that well. I did it."
4: Mm -hmm.
3: So, how about streamers? You guys, you know, the good stuff here. We're done with that elitist crap with with the dry. The dry fly
0: elitism, yeah, with Matt and his Western elitism too. I'm in yeah, my boat with
2: my man. sandals, you know, throwing those big dry flies. Are those Chacos? <laughs> Does he have Chaco sandals? No. I have oboes. What? Obos sandals. Represent my oboes, man. Obos, it's it's a it's a shoe brand. It's a you should look it Is up. Is it like They're
0: Bozeman good. only? Is it
2: oh well, it's a Bozeman company. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Of course it, it is. is. Of course it is. Every outdoor company has to back there. in Bozeman. You could get them in State College if this is Appalachian. Is that Appalachian? Appalachian, store Appalachian still, outdoors. Yeah. They yeah. still exist. Still here. I, still I'm here. almost certain you could get a uh, pair of oboes out there. Let me ask
1: Trevor. Trevor, do you know about oboes? You know what's funny? I was in that house today. <laughs> but comes. Comes. I don't. I don't. I did not see the sandal display <laughs> featured today. <laughs> It was all uh, cold weather gear. It Wasn't drawing your attention in early December. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So,
0: <laughs> anyway, how would we get on that? Bill wants to talk about <laughs> streamers. i want to talk about streamers, and <laughs> we'll get off that. Streamers in the stuff. wind. Maybe, Does it matter? You know, Does the wind hurt your? I
2: was streamer say, Presentations. W- w- just chuck it.
1: Yeah, chuck it, baby. Yeah, I think <laughs> you work with it, right? I think it's kind of fun too to if if I want to drift and like have more of a a classic tight line looking drift. Streamers with that presentation, like I'll run a tandem of woolly buggers, pretty heavily weighted, or I'll, uh, I I like to actually play around with letting the wind move my streamer. Um, Mm. and I I don't know, just kind of like it's sort of as like a mental with it, it's like a mental win because you're using that that frustrating condition to your favor Mm -hmm. uh, to just create a little movement and you're okay with that movement. So, that's neat.
0: Yeah, I'm with that. That's how you're working with the wind. Yeah, you know, yeah. you you're using it all really to your advantage. And again, depending on the angle, and you right. could, if you don't like right. the angle, go to the other side of the river. If Absolutely. you still don't like that, maybe go around the bend. If it bends to the, you know, if if you get a yeah. right angle bend in the river, you're going to totally change things on that yeah. wind direction.
4: Yeah. You
0: can work with it, get yeah. the effect that you want. I like that.
3: Mm-hmm. I think of any of any of the tactics. I think. The wind affects streamers the least because streamers gotcha. are, for the most yeah. part, any of the streamers that I'm going to fish are going to be heavier and you're either, the mono rig is either weighted very heavy with that streamer, most cases, or mm-hmm. if you're fishing a sink tip, Sinking line, that, yeah. that sink tip is so heavy and it's under the water. And so there's no wind yep. effect to that at all.
0: Right. Once again, we get back to the, uh, the idea that weight in some form or another defeats the wind.
2: Sure. Yeah. Battles it at least, right? And you guys know me. I don't. I don't fish streamers much. I I fish streamers the least amount of everybody here. But like, mm-hmm. I allow the mother nature to dictate sometimes when I fish streamers, mm-hmm. and that's when I start fishing streamers. Because to your point, Bill, especially in a boat, you, you submerge the rod tip, you know, mm-hmm. on the side of the yeah. boat and start oh, stripping. Yeah, no like, you know, there's yeah. no effect. So it's like, okay, so maybe it's not the best numbers tactic if conditions were perfect that day but because conditions are gone south maybe my best chance to actually catch fish that day is throwing those streamers and just committing to it and so i yeah. I allow that to happen a lot when i'm when i'm fishing out of a boat out here mm-hmm. on the windiest days
0: i know i always have that available i can fish streamers and it is really not going to hurt me the wind i mean is really not going to hurt me i can get through it it's okay with a streamer.
3: And I think you said this earlier, like the wind, at least in our area, a lot of times wind is bringing in a front or mm-hmm. sometimes it will be post front, but like right on. a lot of times that wind is accompanied by clouds. And so it yeah. it does lean to like streamer conditions a lot of times.
2: Yeah, right on. And out here, it's the opposite.
3: Is that right? You get a lot of clear oh, days a, with wind.
2: It's sunny, yeah. you know, once yeah. June fifteen hits. It's sunny every day until October first. I'm not kidding. Like at the Mm. beginning, Dom, you mentioned you'd take a windy, cloudy day over a sunny day, and out here Mm. we, you don't get an option. Like you get both.
0: It's
2: (laughs) it's windy and sunny, but the difference being, and I've said this numerous times, I think having rainbow trout species, I knew you were going to say that in the system is an advantage because I think the brown trout. When it's sunny and and the oh, suns yeah. high, they they're go done. to cover, man they're yeah. done, like yeah. they're hard to catch and and we have the advantage of rainbows that you know they're not they're not seeking that mm-hmm. cover as much as the brown trout are, so they're more aggressive in the riffles when it's sunny, and so what happens there though, because like I said, I'll experience you guys could have a sunny day out there where the fishing's mm-hmm. really poor, where mm-hmm. I might have a banner day because mm-hmm. I caught eighty. You know, out of 80 trout, I catch 65 Whoa. rainbows. Whoa. I'm Frank I'm, <laughs> I'm Frank nailing it. <laughs> <laughs> He's throwing the 80 number out there. No, I'm just, you get it. 20, 20 fish,
3: 30 fish. All right, 10.
2: 80% of those are, are rainbows. We, so, uh, I got you.
3: When we were in Montana. It's just different. When we were in Montana sleeping on your couch, um, <laughs> we, we got in like two and a half weeks, we got one cloudy day and it was... Freaking Mm. phenomenal for brown trout. Yep. You saw the difference. And I was like, oh. But like we caught fish, like to Matt's point, like through the sun and whatever. But we got that one cloudy day and I was like, oh man, this is good shit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So with these
0: streamer tactics, again, like I I say for me, I I don't care about the wind. I hardly care. And I'll use the wind a little bit to my advantage. Like you're saying, Trevor, I I guess I do care somewhat if I'm trying to actually use the wind to move the Move the line, move the leader. Okay. But let me back up to dry flies. And let me point out, I think you guys would agree with this. I would rather, as far as wind direction, I would rather have the wind in front of me. I'd rather punch into the wind. Let's say that I'm trying to get a dead drift and I'm fishing upstream. And I'd rather punch into the wind because then I can get that wind to actually push a little bit of slack back to me. And what is slack? It ends up when it hits the water as S curves. And that, to me, is a good thing. I can work with that. If it's behind me, it wants to just poof, straighten my leader out. I don't like that, you know? So if I had to choose, and often we can, again, by walking around the bend or choosing what side of the river you're fishing. But as we move into nymphing techniques, I want it the opposite.
4: Yes. And yeah. let's
0: say we're nymphing, and we, we're going to talk about indies in a second, indicator nymphing in a second. But if I want to continue tightline nymphing, let's say the wind is not too bad. I can still tightline nymph by overweighting the system, okay? And then especially if I have the wind behind me, I don't care much. And Bill, you talked about this in that first podcast when we we went for about 10 minutes, we talked about wind and being, being a difficult element. Bill, you brought this up. You can kind of, with the wind behind you, and again, we're casting upstream so we can get dead drifts, you can pull into the wind then because it's behind you. You can bring that cider and your rod tip into the wind and you can defeat that drag that's trying to happen you could pull into it yeah but boy if it's in front of you how i like it with dry flies that's bad it's just pushing drag into your system and there is no way to defeat it on a pure tight line system
3: yeah i will say with nymphing though the first thing i try to do is an indicator because that indicator creates kind of when it sits on right. the surface it has that surface tension to kind of hold it a little bit and so that might be a case where i'm not trying to use the thinnest or the lightest indicator i have i might keep a couple of Mm -hmm. the like heavier bobber heavier bobbers and putting them out there because they're going to be less affected by the wind
0: agreed there you go you're using weight again yep It, it keeps coming back to that
3: Nobody really seems to talk about the weight of an
0: indicator. They talk about so many other elements of an indicator. I love a Dorsey yarn indicator. The yarn weighs literally nothing. Well, the yarn weighs almost nothing, and that tiny little rubber band weighs almost nothing. The Dorsey's great. It's so sensitive. But not in the wind. It's not your best tool. And I use a thingamabobber. I mean, they weigh 50 centigrams. 55 centigrams is what the medium thingamabobber weighs. That's like a number 12 stonefly. You know, with a 3.5 millimeter bead, baby. And that matters. There you go. You're using that weight to punch you through the wind. The airlocks weigh even more. Those, uh, what do they call it? The Oros. Yeah. They weigh even more than that. And all of those, you can use that weight to your advantage. It's a bobber. That's what it is at that point. Any solid indicator is going to help you punch through that wind. You use it as a tool. You use it to that effect. That's one of the reasons why we can stay out there, fight through that wind and nymph rather than walking back to the car and giving up.
2: Well, not only that, Dom, but it's probably safe to say it's more effective at catching fish in that situation, right? Not yeah, only yeah. is it better to fish because of the wind and the problems wind gives us fishing and trying to keep okay. contact, but it's just downright the better method, I think, when it's that windy. If I'm going to try yeah. to catch numbers, I'm going to an indie for the, all those good reasons you just mentioned and the fact that it's probably going to give me the best chance at landing fish that day. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, like
0: Bill said, I mean that's my first thing to do when it gets you know more than moderately windy. Yeah, yeah. I'm throwing the indie because I throw an indie a lot of times anyway, and I'll go tight line to the indie. We've talked about that. We did a full podcast on tight line to the indicator method. Yes, you can combine the two methods. We do it all the time. But you could throw a nine foot leader or whatever, a shorter leader and a fly line to do some mending and all that. That'll work too. By using the indicator to anchor, like Bill said, your drift to the surface with the Indy, you're very much defeating or at least battling that wind.
3: One thing, if it does get windy, a lot of times I'm going to try to fish in one current and one current seam. Yeah. And most times I'm going to wade to position, if I can, to fish directly above, directly above me. Got because I it. feel yeah. like, like, because if you think about it, if you cast at a 45 out in front of you and you hold the line off the water at that point, mm. that yeah. line off the water has a better chance; it is going to be caught by the wind and blow it upstream or downstream, whatever versus- direction yeah. versus if you wade yourself into one seam and you cast the indicator directly above you, you can lay the line on the water at that point and it won't have as much effect on it because you're, everything is in one seam and coming Got back it. to you. I love that. And there you are again with getting close. That's one of the general principles
0: of fishing in the wind. Just get as close as you can. Stop trying to cast. Don't be a hero. That's what you say. Right, Bill? Yeah, don't be a hero. Don't be a hero. Get closer. Yeah. I will use heavier nymphs or heavier split shot or I'll often drop shot in the wind. I do that a lot. We did it today. I used a 124-ounce drop shot. That's about 95 centigrams. And once again, that's probably about a size 10 or even a size 8. Stonefly or whatever, 4 to 4.5 millimeter bead, tungsten bead. And with that kind of weight, especially in a drop shot, well, I'll drop shot when I want to bottom bounce. And I want to use that bottom and that contact with the bottom to once again kind of, kind of fight the wind. The wind's trying to push my leader around, but that bottom contact is trying to keep it stabilized. And that, that cooperation between the two things is what I'm looking for, that equalization in a way.
3: Now, do you drop shot with the indicator?
0: I don't. And my friend and I were talking about that today because that's the way he has used drop shot. And I get it. That's the Provo bouncer rig. And you call it whatever you like. But I don't. When I throw drop shot, I'm sure we'll do a full podcast someday on drop shot. But when I throw drop shot, I'm trying to really almost paint the bottom with that little ball down there or split shot, whatever you're using. And uh, it's a bottom contact. It's a very controlled, hopefully, drift for me. And I'm not trying to just scrape and drag. I'm trying to just tick a few times on the way down through, five, six, eight times on the way down through. And I feel like it's a control system for me. And It's not enough for me to just touch. I want it to look natural. And that then is up to me because I have that control. When I throw the indie there, Bill, when I throw the indie in between me and that drop shot, I'm out of control. When I throw an indie rig, I surrender to the fact that as soon as that indie is on the water, it's on the job of leading the flies down one seam. And I'm trying to keep the tension off the indie, whether that's mending line or that's keeping all the line off the water, tight line advantage to the indie. But again, the indie then is in control. And it's okay. It works. You can line it up there and go bounce, bounce, tick to tick. It's all right. But that's not my preference anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That's the nymphing stuff. Like anything else, though, think about this. Sometimes the wind actually helps us more than it hurts us actually. Sometimes it is an advantage. We've talked about a few of those things using that to our advantage in some of these presentations. Anything else with that? you guys have anything? any little tricks up your up your sleeve i
3: think I think in the summer, I don't know like I'm just thinking fly selections in the summer, if it's windy, i'm gonna you know probably start with a with an ant, whether it be a wet ant, whether it be a a dry ant or maybe my next is a beetle and then after that probably like a green weenie because those are things And when it gets windy in the summer and even into the fall those are gonna those terrestrials at least in our area that's what that's what comes off of the trees and so yeah. matt's talking about like hoppers and stuff out west but like in our area those are the main ones that i can think of
0: I remember trevor talking about the ants coming off of the yeah leaves. yeah it was, a, was yeah. last
1: fall i think it was it was almost a year ago it was a little more than a year ago yeah I had a day that was kind of cool. So it was a sycamore tree dropping leaves. Mm-hmm. And the fish were really keyed in on those leaves hitting the water. And it did seem to be, I mean, ants are what caught the fish that were rising to those leaves. Yeah. So,
2: oh, yeah. I'll piggyback on that in an isolated wind event, not so much the, I think we've been talking about sustained wind throughout the day. But when you get a right. thunderstorm, mm-hmm. an isolated thunderstorm, especially back home, and, and even out here, and mm-hmm. the wind, is just ferocious and knocks all kinds of stuff in the water. How many times after it blows through is the fishing like lights out for 10, 15 minutes. And I Mm -hmm. always attribute that to, you know, you play it to your advantage. You let that storm, if you can weather that storm on the bank and that wind, and then you get back in the river, there's always like a 15 minute, I call it the magic window of some seriously good fishing. Do you guys experience that? oh yeah a few
0: times definitely it's not predictable necessarily but when you hit it you go oh that's kind of why it's like
3: it's like somebody throws a switch and it's like every fish in the river just starts to feed of and (laughs) i've hit it i hit it once this year like where you had that Mm -hmm. like when that storm blew in it got windy and it was just miserable but yeah the Mm -hmm. it just flipped the switch and fishing went from garbage to amazing stay out there
0: good things sometimes sometimes happen
2: yeah the other thing i'll mention with the with the wind and, and an advantage and is solitude i mean i think mm. uh, to dom you've mentioned it i mean i think a lot of fair weather guys tend to eh, they don't want to deal with that and so you can find some some good solitude on your local rivers yeah. when the forecast is is calling for wind and any day that you get the river to yourself is an advantage i think <laughs>
0: Yeah, I don't know too many anglers that leave the house saying, you know what, I hope I I run into a half dozen guys today. (laughs) Right, right. Man, I hope someone's in my spot today. Man, I hope I get to be second to hit that water. Sure. (laughs) That's good. Yeah. All right, there it is. Our strategies for fly fishing in windy conditions. Wind does not need to keep you home, and it doesn't need to force you off the water. There are many ways, not just to deal with the difficulty of wind, but to learn something from the challenge, and sometimes even catch more trout than you would have in calm conditions. Many of the elements of foul weather that bother us just don't seem to affect the trout very much. And if you learn to beat the wind and weather, or at least work with it and cut that edge a bit, both success and solitude can be yours. Forget the forecast. Just fish. All right, we have two more episodes here in Season 5 of the Trout Pitten Podcast. Just two more episodes before the holiday. Then we'll take a couple of weeks off before returning to the Skills Series format for Season 6, with less conversation and more direct, tightly focused topics that cover one aspect of fly fishing for trout. I'm not sure what that Skills Series will be, but I think I have an idea. So look for all of that in your Trout Bitten Podcast feed. Trevor Smith. Bill Dell, and Matt Grobe. Thank you for your ideas and your conversation tonight. Thank you to everyone out there listening, and thank you to our show
1: sponsors. Trevor, will you read us out? I'm on it. Remember, the Trout Bitten Project is a free resource for all anglers. The Trout Bitten website hosts over 900 articles with endless stories, commentaries, tactics, tips, and more. Find what you like through the top menu and through the search page. Navigate by way of the categories and tags, too. Be sure to find the Trout Bitten YouTube channel currently featuring the Trout Bitten Tips series in collaboration with Wilds Media. These are short, useful, and unique tips for your fly fishing life. Thank you for listening to the Trout Bitten Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and leave a comment, because it really helps. Until next time, friends, fish hard, enjoy the day, and find your life on the water.
2: 80 fish. Hey now. 80 fish. 80. <laughs> little bitch. Sloop can catch 80. Anybody can.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cold.